Hello, welcome to The Cutting Room, the movie show from all the right movies. I'm John, and the ultimate badasses next to me are Westy. Knew it was going to be that, hello. <laughs> what else? What else? I know. And Matt. Hello. So untrue as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> of all the things we are definitely yeah. A couple That's of Burks. <laughs> That's why it's funny. <laughs> this week, we're getting into one of the most acclaimed sequels ever made. We're going back to 1986 to talk James Cameron and his shoot 'em up classic, Aliens. Yeah. Mm. Before we do that, though, just to let everybody know that All The Right Movies is a YouTube channel, and what you're listening to now is the audio podcast version of the latest episode of our YouTube show called The Cutting Room. The original video version, along with many other episodes and videos, is available on YouTube, so please head over to our channel to watch and subscribe. We actually started out as a podcast, and you can access our full archive of over 120 podcast episodes on our website, alltherightmovies.com, or by signing up to become an All The Right Movies patron at patreon.com forward slash alltherightmovies. Patrons also gain access to loads of other benefits as well, including an exclusive video episode of The Cutting Room every month, chosen by and created specifically for our patrons. So, as you can see, there's loads from all the right movies to keep you busy, so please check out YouTube and Patreon. But for now, it's back to the film. All the right James Cameron movies at the minute. I know, right? <laughs> it is one of the wrong. It's not many, it's not many left. True Lies maybe next. <laughs> then, then I think we're done. <laughs> well, Matt, back mm-hmm. for your Iron Jim fix. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to talk about Aliens? Because it's the greatest B movie ever made. It has no business being this good. It should have been a cheap and simple knockoff. And it's anything but. Just the title alone is brilliant. Knowing how scary the original is, putting the S on the end to pluralise the threat. Like, oh great, there's more than one of them. Already (laughs) you sucked into it. And I remember when my dad watched this, the first thing he did was come up to my room and like knocked on, because I was, I don't know, eight or nine. You've got to see this. You've got to watch this tomorrow. Even though I hadn't seen Alien at that point, he knew it would be right up my alley. And you know what? He was absolutely right. Yeah, similar for me. I mean, I first saw Aliens when I was about 13, I think, and loved it instantly. Mm. Grounded science fiction with huge action, massive guns and cool-looking aliens was right up my teenage street. Mm. And back then, it was for a while my favourite film. I see the film in a slightly different light in some ways today, so I'll talk about that as we go through the episode. But, I mean, a follow-up to a stone-cold classic in Alien, obviously, and acclaimed as one of the greatest sequels of all time, generally. And, obviously, it's the big man again, Iron Jim. (laughs) Always great to talk about him because he's hilarious. But, also, big, big talent. So, this should be a funny and interesting one. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, Westy, Aliens for you? Yeah, I've got a really funny story. When I was like eight, nine year old, I was in junior school and we went on house points and they said you can bring a film in to watch for the class. So I brought in Aliens on VHS and we watched it. And the teacher came back in and was like, what is this? West, now. So I got bollocked for that, but it was well worth it because we got up to like Med Lab and it was it was amazing. And I was like a real hero in the yard. So yeah, yeah it's a wow. really personal one for me. Um, and one that it never disappoints. It's like an old friend that never gets old. It's always going to be there for you. It's huge. All right, sweethearts. You heard the man. You know the drill. This time it's war. It's aliens. Arseholes and elbows. 
When contact is lost with a terraforming colony on LV-426, Lieutenant Ellen Ripley returns to the source of her nightmares with a group of battle-ready marines. Coming across the sole survivor of an alien infestation, Ripley finds herself in a fight for survival as she goes on a journey of compassion, motherhood and redemption. Sounds intense. Stop your grinning and drop your living. It is intense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. Written and directed by James Cameron, Aliens was produced by Brandywine Productions and distributed by 20th Century Fox, and it's a big cast, but in the leads, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, Michael Bean as Corporal Hicks, and Lance Henriksen as Bishop. So we're here to get into the film by talking about the director, the writing, the cast, our highlights, and we then give the film a score out of 10. Yeah. Yep. So the director is up first, and it's JC, James Cameron. Just Cameron's second feature, or third if you count Piranha 2 this morning. Which we won't. Surely we don't. Aliens <laughs> <laughs> came two years after Cameron's blistering debut, The Terminator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aliens, though, Westy, Iron Jimmy is best, or any old iron? <laughs> God. Don't even know what that means. <laughs> if, if you put a clip in of that, I'll be furious. <laughs> any old iron, any old iron, any, any, any old iron. Let's get past that. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's Cameron at his best, but every film he releases is Cameron at his best, I think. He just raises the bar every single time. It's a really, really powerful piece of work. It's a really powerful piece of writing. It's a very, very powerful piece of direction. It's so confident. And if you want to define Iron Jim by anything, it's this film. What he gets across here is just the staging of the action sequences and how emotional he makes them. When they're coming through the ceiling and they're dropping in, you get Hudson finally getting his arc, finally being the hero, and he gets pulled underneath. And it, it, it's it's fantastically done. And I love what Adrian Biddle brings to this. I think the cinematography is just excellent. I think if you're trying to keep up with Ridley Scott, you know, it's just it's it's mm. not easy to do. But the kind to do it. Watch it now, it still looks as good as any Marvel film that's come out, yeah. any single green oh, screen yeah. film that's come out. This is just James Cameron at his most confident, at his most proficient, and at his most focused, I think. And it's just a, such a special film. And the other thing to realise as well is that Cameron knows how to work with actors and the camaraderie that he needs to bring from them. So what he did was the scene where we meet all of the Marines. It's just so good, the back and forth between them all. And you can tell they all kind of know each other, but he shot that sequence last because it was mm. like, well, then you spend 14 weeks together going through the whole film, which they did. They were trained by the SAS to handle weapons, work as a platoon, work as a team. So he's a filmmaker in every single respect, 100%. Absolutely, he is. I mean, there's a lot of great things about Aliens. We're going to talk about all of it. And the direction is right up there for me. The serious, grounded tone that Cameron goes for, he pulls off brilliantly. Yeah. You had to manage a pretty small budget in $18 million. I mean, Aliens is set in 2179 and none of it on Earth. They shot some of it at Acton Lane Power Station, a disused power plant, but everything else had to be created. And Cameron's work with the visual effects and production design teams is so impressive. We'll talk more about the effects as we go, though, because now I'm going to talk a bit about the pretty major production issues that Cameron had to deal with. And deal with them. I and Jim did. You can't come in here. It's a closed set. (laughs) Squashed. He dealt with everything. (laughs) And everyone. (laughs) So Aliens was filmed at Pinewood Studios. And because no one knew who Cameron was, most of the British crew working on the film basically showed him no respect. And there's a few things that back that up. First off, to try and show them that he knew what he was doing from the off, Cameron arranged for a screening of the Terminator for the crew, and none of them turned up for it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Because they didn't like his intense working style, the crew then had T-shirts made up that said, you don't scare me, I work for James Cameron. <laughs> I should have got one for this. <laughs> <laughs> there was an issue with the first director of photography, Dick Bush, and not just because of his unfortunate name, although that might have been a factor. Yeah. At their first meeting, Cameron showed Bush the shooting schedule, and Bush just said, I'm not hitting that deadline. Not even going to try. And things came to a head later on when they shot the alien nest sequence. Cameron wanted it all to be lit by the Marines' lights, like pretty minimally, but Bush disagreed and just did what he wanted and flooded the whole thing with light. There was a massive argument on the set and it ended with Bush getting fired, obviously. And that's when Adrian Biddle came in. The assistant director was Derek Cracknell, who'd worked with Stanley Kubrick on 2001. 2001, yeah. Yeah. And he thought that he knew better than Cameron. And Galan Heard, the producer, said that Cameron would ask Cracknell to set up a scene and Cracknell would just do something totally different and it would all need to be redone. So Cameron's authority was being undermined. So he fired Cracknell as well as Bush. Mm. I mean, bringing down the axe, Iron Jim, <laughs> everyone's dispensable. If you come off the back of 2001 onto someone's second film, you're going to be a bit pretentious, aren't you? Yeah, you're like, yeah. I kind of know what I'm doing. But yeah. Jim's like, no, you don't. That, this isn't 2001, mate. This yeah. is something completely different. How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? Well, after he was fired, Cracknell then encouraged the rest of the crew to down tools and stop working in the middle of the day in protest at him being fired. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what an ego. <laughs> really pretentious. Yeah, and that led to a meeting between Cameron and the crew that went on for hours. And after that, it was still never great, but they worked together to the end of production. Mm. So, I mean, working with all of that and the limited budget, Cameron like had one hand tied behind his back and yeah. still managed to produce this film. Yeah. I mean, what a director. And yeah. Cameron's best film for me. Yeah. And Matt, GC for you as director on Aliens? Yeah. Like when people talk about a film being a roller coaster ride, this is it. Over there, get it has the momentum and the tension of one. Because if you've been on any roller coaster, you know the scariest bit is the build up when you've been yeah. slowly pulled to the top. Mm. And that's yeah. what Aliens is. It's got this drawn-out opening, but it's tense because Ripley's been asleep for 50 years. The planet's been colonised. The Marines get there, but the base has been ripped to pieces. Everybody's gone. And that's Cameron taking you to the top of the first drop, and then he just lets you go. Let's rock! But he knows when to pull it back as well. So when they've sealed themselves in the control room, Cameron strips that back so effectively. Mm. The lights are out fast gas and a torch that's going so slowly and it's yeah. just that blip 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 of the motion sensors it's so yeah. minimal but it's done so well because it catches you out every time when you're trying to work out what the hell is going on because they should be in the room and the tension is off the charts and the look on hicks's face when he realizes there's only one possible place that could yes. be like ah that, that's when you hit the biggest drop of the roller coaster and it just hurdles from then on in so Cameron gives this whole film this amazing sense of control and release, control and release, right to the very end. And you have to mention James Horn as well, because the score is incredible. And my favourite piece is Bishop's Countdown, which is when the dropship picks Ripley and Ute up from the platform. Like, every time it gets to that bit, I'm bouncing in my seat, because it's so exciting and it's so tense, and the music has so much to do with that as well. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's especially impressive that the score is so good, seeing how quickly Horner had to write it. He was originally told by Cameron that he had six weeks, but he said that's a really tight time scale. So Cameron said, I'll try and get you more time. 
then came back a few days later and said, the time scales have changed. It's three weeks now. <laughs> so to hit those deadlines, <laughs> Horner ended up taking part from previous scores he'd done. And he recycled some of his score from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Here it comes. It's like identical in parts. No. And then Cameron re-edited some of the scenes after Horner had written the music for them. So Horner had to rewrite and re-record that music. I was up for, you know, 36 hours making sense, retiming, rewriting like crazy, like crazy, like crazy. At that point, they fell out. I mean, yeah. Cameron was kicking <laughs> off with everyone on this film. Yeah. <laughs> the Wrath of Jim. <laughs> yeah, isn't there a great moment in an interview with Horner when he's kind of like, "Well, if you can't do it, we'll get someone who will." And he's like, "Please, yeah, I'd love to meet that person because I'll learn a lot from them because yeah. that's impossible." <laughs> you know, that goes away. It's all just war talk in the trenches. But that was the attitude. So Cameron broke into the industry as a special effects expert, which I think we can see. He worked oh, on yeah. special effects teams on Battle Beyond the Stars, Escape from New York, which looks incredible. Looks kind of like this in places. Mm. Uh, Galaxy of Terror, this gave him a great understanding of visual effects. And Aliens is a masterclass in practical effects work. It really is. Yeah. I think it was the last great practical effects film that I can remember. It's outstanding, yeah. Yeah, scale models were used all the way through the film. So vehicles like the Salago Dropship and the APC were models created by Robert and Dennis Skortak. Robert Skortak tells a story where the studio saw an early cut of the film and said to Gail Ann Hurd, we thought the budget was going to be on special effects. You spend it all on building these huge sets. Mm. And Hurd said to them, they're not sets, they're all scale models, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's the feedback you want, isn't it? Of yeah. course. There was also a life-size version of the APC vehicle. There was a modified truck the British Airways used for towing aeroplanes. I mean, yeah. I want one of them, an I APC. Want one of them. <laughs> yeah. Imagine us just driving along. Pulling up in Morrison's <laughs> car park in one of those. <laughs> no room for this shop, and it's all right. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, rear, rear projection was used as well. Um, in the scene, especially when the, the Chien dropship crashes and they're like running over the terrain. I think mm. you can kind of tell that now, mm. but at the time, you wouldn't have. Yeah, so that moment was a combination of scale models and rear projection. Amazing, and the sound design on that is incredible as well, yeah. the wind coming in. Oh, you want to get back indoors, but you don't. Well, that's great. Great, man. And also, just before the Marines enter the alien nest, they come across a colonist who's been taken by the aliens, and we all know who that is. I like, kill me. Yeah. But she was just her. The actor was put through a suit which had like the chest birthed inside, and then this puppeteer mm. just rammed the the whole puppet through, which would have been terrifying like, yeah. on the scene. <laughs> but it looks so good. Her reactions are absolutely spot on. It is brilliant. And she was then replaced with a full model and puppet of the chest burster when they set her on fire. I mean, I hope so anyway. Who knows? Yeah, so when I am Jim. One word. Just burner. Incinerated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when we first meet the Marines on board the Salago spaceship, we see 12 hypersleep chambers, but they cost $4,300 each. So what they did was use mirrors to replicate them and gives you like the sense of 12 being in there, mm. which if you watch it now, is pretty obvious. Yeah. But yeah. amazingly done. Yeah, the production designer was Pete Alamont, and he told Cameron that they couldn't do it. And it was Cameron who had the idea of using mirrors, not Pete Alamont. But, right. yeah, Cameron didn't fire him, though. <laughs> Replaced by a mirror, that's fine. <laughs> I'd love that. But the aliens were created by legendary Stan Winston Studio, mm. which you can kind of tell they're so good. But they used guys in rubber suits, and they only had six of them. 
and they also had eight foot models of the aliens built that were used for shots at the APC running over the alien. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or when the aliens explode, they'd fill part of the dummy with yellow dye and a, and a part chemical that would, like, mix with the dye and then produce smoke. So when they exploded, it would look like there were, you know, acid going everywhere, which works so well. Fantastic. And it's that sound of... Bleh! Oh, when they're getting run over, it's just whoa! It's terrifying. Yeah, it's Brilliant. fantastic. They did some of that clever things too, like when Hicks finds the aliens above the ceiling, they shot the actors crawling along the floor and then just clipped the footage so it looks like oh, they're on really? the ceiling, yeah. Uh, like Batman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Climbing up the building. Yeah. Imagine if they're being outside. <laughs> People sticking their heads out the windows. Hey, Batman and Robin, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Brilliant. And shooting the aliens moving through the air ducts, they used a vertical shaft with the cameras at the bottom looking up, and the actor was lowered head first in the cable. All of it just looks so great. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine shooting this film and you're like, oh, there's, a, there's a, an army of aliens. How many have we got? Six. I know. What? How we did that. Yeah. I don't know how you pulled that off. Yeah, amazing. There were some other issues he had, though, which I think are worth mentioning. Um, like, basically, Cameron thought the British crew were lazy because even though they had these like incredibly tight time scales, they would still stop for breaks. Several times a day. Got to have lunch, haven't you? You've got to eat something. <laughs> got to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thing is, there was this little old lady who would just like wheel this trolley in with tea and cheese rolls. And this like infuriated Cameron so much. One day he made sure he got there before anyone else and he smashed it to pieces. Whether he, whether he murdered the tea lady or not, there'd be somebody there the next day at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Poor old tea lady wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah. I and Jim coming at her in a rage. <laughs> Turning it over like Hal in Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as well, though, the crew, every Friday afternoon, they would stop and they'd have a lot redraw where the winner would get a few hundred quid. <laughs> like, just like this very innocent crew member went up to yeah. Cameron and went, uh, do, do you want to put anything in for the draw, Jim? To which he screamed in this guy's face in front of everybody, fuck the draw. No, man, we're working here, man. Fuck the draw. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like my review of Attack of the Clones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot to say on it. Not a lot yeah. of it is positive. I mean, yeah, there's some great stories from the production. Anyone's interested should read this book by Rebecca Keegan. But my favourite happened on the final day of filming. So there was always tension between the crew and Cameron, but they got it done in the end. Mm. And after shooting rap for the final time, Cameron stood up in front of the entire crew to make what everybody thought was going to be an emotional farewell speech. He said... This has been a long and difficult shoot, fraught by many problems, but the one thing that kept me going through it all was the certain knowledge that one day I would drive out of the gate of Pinewood and never come back, and that you sorry bastards would all still be here. Good <laughs> night. <laughs> 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 that is peak ING. It's peak. That is peak. <laughs> but, but he delivered with such vitriol, everyone was just yeah. silent. Just mic drop. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, the ultimate mic drop. Yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> and how old is he at this time? Is he still in his 20s? Is 31. 31. Just, yeah. 31. Yeah. God, 31 <laughs> saying that. <laughs> There's some other people that were really key that we really should mention. The concept art supplied by Sid Mead. And Ron oh, yeah. Cobb played such a big part of the look of the film. They designed the look of the Marines, most of the vehicles, a lot of the sets, a lot of the locations, and they are absolutely mm-hmm. amazing and pretty much on point. Yeah, integral to the success of the film, yeah, I think. Really yeah. good. And finally on Cameron, he does have a cameo in the film. Do you know where it is? 
No. Is he a voice? He'd be a voice somewhere. He's always a voice, yeah. yeah. It's in the opening scene where the salvage team find Ripley. We hear the voice of one of the teams say, Bio readouts are all on the green. Looks like she's alive. Right. Oh, Cameron's uh, voice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a camera in the O. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron's direction on aliens then, a masterclass in visual effects, white knuckle action, and pissing people off. <laughs> For a 31-year-old guy, <laughs> there's nothing better. James Cameron is the most commercially successful writer-director of all time by a long way, largely because of Titanic and Avatar, yeah. but Aliens is one of his most acclaimed credits. And David Guyla and Walter Hill share a story by credit with Cameron on the film as well. Mm. But Matt, mm. what do you think? Take off and nuke the entire site from orbit? It's only way to be sure. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I think it's great writing, and what really works for yeah. me is, is the layers of peril that Cameron builds throughout because first of all they've got to go check out the colony because they've lost contact then they realize they've all been snatched and there's a huge nest of xenomorphs being woken up but just when the planet to escape and nuke the entire site from orbit the ship explodes so they're stranded there with extremely limited supplies and not only that it's going to be 17 days before they get declared overdue 17 days Hey man, I don't want to rain on your parade. We're not going to last 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then God knows how long before they're actually rescued. But then anyway, you know what? That doesn't matter because they've triggered a nuclear meltdown. So they've actually got hours to somehow figure a way of getting off the planet, which involves the android who Ripley doesn't trust an inch, getting from one end of this huge pipe to the other without being discovered, and then throwing the fact that Burke is ready to sacrifice them all to get off the planet. Cameron just keeps throwing obstacle after obstacle in there. And the thing about the nuclear meltdown is it gives the film a ticking clock in the background. And that's why also that scene of Ripley in the lift tooling up is so good. She's literally got minutes to find Newt and get out of there. And she knows it. And that's why she's so determined. But this is the other thing I love about the writing. I love how plausible it is that Ripley is prepared to sacrifice everything, everything she's been through just to save Newt. 100% you buy Ripley's decision to go after her oh, yeah. rescue her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if you don't buy that decision, the film falls apart at the end. So the fact that it all comes down to saving Newt, this emotional undercurrent that he brings in, it works brilliantly. I love the writing here. Yeah, it's like a horror film where they go back in the house, but you're always yeah. screaming, what are you going back in for? Yeah. That's ridiculous. But this time yeah. you're going, yeah, I would go back in. And the other thing I like is there's a nice circularity to the writing as well in that Cameron, he got the cast and crew to eat Starship Troopers by Robert A. Heinlein, right. which then, you know, as we all know, got adapted into a film by Paul Verhoeven, which is obviously heavily influenced by Aliens in turn and how it looks. Mm. Yeah. Verhoeven and Cameron, what a combo that is. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Buenos Aires and I say kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the writing of Aliens, first of all, David Gala and Walter Hill have done very well for themselves with that story by credit. Their input was basically saying to Cameron, we like the idea of a film that's the military versus aliens. That's not writing anything. <laughs> yeah, Hill would have just been like, more, put more in there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, from Cameron, so many good things. The world building and developing the life cycle of the aliens and bringing in the alien queen is excellent. Yeah. There's two major themes. There's an anti-capitalist message throughout. You know, Burke, I don't know which species is worse. You don't see them bucking each other over for a goddamn percentage. And a very strong theme of motherhood, where Ripley loses her daughter in the first act, she becomes a surrogate mother to Newt, and the final showdown is between Ripley and the alien queen, two mothers. 
That's all brilliant. But I think the best part of the writing comes in the main character of Ripley. She's one of the great action movie protagonists for me. Lots of that comes from Sigourney Weaver, which we'll talk about, but it's also in the writing. I think Ripley has the most character arcs that I've ever seen in a film. To my mind, she's got four. So traumatised by the events of Alien, Ripley's Mm -hmm. having nightmares, Mm -hmm. and the final shot of the film is her sleeping like a baby. Yeah. Mm. Also, because of the antics of Ash in Alien, Ripley doesn't trust androids, so he actually doesn't like Bishop. Mm. By the end, she's best pals with Bishop. Yeah. Yeah. We find out that her daughter, Amy, has died in the 57 years that Ripley's been in hypersleep, and she essentially goes on to become a surrogate mother to Newt. And she goes from being a consultant on the mission to basically a fully-fledged Marine by the end of it, flamethrower and everything. Yeah. I mean, four <laughs> arcs, which is mental. And to think all that in, to fit all that in such a way that it feels natural, that's just some writing mm. from Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the narrative's good, development of the world is excellent, but the main character writing, I think, is incredible, especially for this kind of film. It's the best written action film ever for me. Yeah, and he puts them arcs yeah. in order of importance as well. Yeah. It's a marine, then it's bishop, and then sleeping like baby, so you get that kind of recurse yeah. at the end. It's beautifully paced. It is, absolutely. It all feels natural as well. It doesn't feel yeah. forced. No. And Westy, what are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? Look <laughs> <laughs> into my eye. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, the dialogue in this film is not only is it believable, but it really pushes the film along and it pushes the exposition along. But he, he does give the characters some fantastic lines, lines of dialogue. And I think the easiest thing for me to do is to give you the rundown of my top five lines of dialogue yes. in Aliens. Okay, so at number five, we have Hudson being Hudson, being over the top, being very, very self-assured of himself with the classic line when he's in the dropship. We're on express elevator to hell. Going down. What a dick. <laughs> he's being a right dickhead in the dropship. Yeah. Check, Check it out. out. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> I am the ultimate badass. Yeah. Number four for me, probably being ignored when it comes to all the bigger lines, but it's when Frost delivers that line, when Apo asks for all the ammo, and he actually says... What the hell are we supposed to use, man? Harsh language? <laughs> which I think is really funny. Really good and just very kind of sets the tone of what's happening. It's funny, but it's kind of nervous funny, yeah. which is really great. <laughs> and there's probably like Cameron on the set. Loads of harsh language from Cameron. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and fists and ammunition, probably. <laughs> Don't you have gloves? Get some gloves. You can't pull hard without gloves. Get some gloves and call me when you're ready. The third for me is, isn't the actual line, but it's the reply to the line that comes later. It's repeated by Hicks. Say we take off, nuke the side from orbit. Only way to be sure. He knows he's in charge. We know he's in charge. We know where this is going. Yeah. It's a fantastic moment. It's a brilliant line, yeah. Another one from Hudson at number two, which has to be, which is the most quoted from the film. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs> quoted by me many times playing on me Sega Mega Drive when I was a teenager. <laughs> Go by me many times in life. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever so, oh, it's game over, man. It's fucking game over. You know, ad lib by Paxton yeah. as well, which makes it even more special. I think it's a wonderful moment. But the defining line of dialogue in Aliens that door opens, the loader comes out. She's stood. How the fuck do you top that visual? Yeah. This is how you do it. Get away from her, you bitch! Oh, it's just, it's everything that you need in that line. It's her talking about mother to mother, yeah, you know, great. this kind of real battle that's going to happen. And it's the, the response from the Queen, that sound design. 
just like, who the fuck are you talking to? Let's do it. You know, it's brilliant. Absolutely love it. Brilliant. The delivery from Sigourney Weaver. When you talk line yeah. delivery, she knocks it out of the park. It's incredible. Yeah. She almost yeah. spits it. It's fucking yeah. great. Every word is delivered like note perfect. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I love the dialogue as well. And, you know, the famous line where Hudson says to Vasquez. Hey, Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? Brilliant. Do you know where that comes from, though, originally? It's a, there's a classic Hollywood story about Tallulah Bankhead. Oh, right. Huge in the 30s, obviously. And a newspaper columnist actually said to her in an interview, have you been ever mistaken for a man? And her reply was, no, darling, have you? Darling, like, lovely that. (laughs) Yeah. The the punch. Brilliant. (laughs) Fuck, I love that. Yeah. Cameron lost that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Cameron's first draft, Alien 2. Yeah. <laughs> you can do better than that, Jim. Which he did, obviously. But have time he didn't have time to write the script because he was making the Terminator. But start date for the Terminator was pushed back nine months so that Arnold could make Conan the Destroyer. So in that nine months, Cameron got a hold of this and wrote Aliens. Praise be for Conan the Destroyer. Which is a terrible film. Yeah. <laughs> Cameron only had 90 pages written at the end of that nine months, but Fox was so impressed with what he had that they decided to wait for Cameron to finish The Terminator. The people at Fox read it and loved it and said, if your directing debut turns out well and you demonstrate talent in the directing field, we'll also let you direct. Plus, they're probably too scared to say no. Well, exactly. <laughs> from, from them performances, I, this still this still bugs me now, and it still if it plays on my mind, like how Arnold is not in Aliens. As who? Hicks, but you wouldn't have called him Hicks. You would call him like you know Arnold. Arnold. <laughs> I don't know why that didn't happen. It's it's strange. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't. To be fair, one of the biggest influences on Cameron was the U.S. military in the Vietnam War, and Aliens is full of Vietnam-inspired elements. I'm assuming you've noticed that. Uh, yeah, I think so. The way the Marines look and talk is reminiscent of how we see Marines often depicted in Vietnam War movies. Sweethearts, you heard the man and you know the drill. Assholes and elbows. Marines in Vietnam would personalise their own uniforms and Cameron had the Marine actors do the same. So Hudson has Louise written on his breastplate, that was the name of Bill Paxson's wife. And Dietrich has Blue Angel written on her helmet, which is a nod to the Blue Angel, a film starring Marlene Dietrich. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Cheyenne dropship was based on Apache helicopters in the way that it looks and the way it moves. And Al Matthews, who plays a pawn in the film, he was an actual Marine in yeah. Vietnam, and Cameron would mm-hmm. consult with yeah. him on the set throughout the film. Well, you know, I suffer from the Vietnam syndrome. If you point a gun at me, I'm going to shove it down your throat. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> sorry, gang, but that's the truth. So James Cameron is the writer of Aliens. Great dialogue, great themes, great character arcs. Pretty great. What more do you want? It's just fucking massive, isn't it? <laughs> Quite a large main cast in Aliens, and quite a few we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, who are you going for in the cast? Well, I'm going to start with Ripley, obviously, because Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver is as iconic as it gets, mm-hmm. really, performance-wise. And I think that's because Weaver was so protective of Ripley as a character. You know, she had resisted previous attempts to get her back for a sequel because she was worried they wouldn't write Ripley as well as the first film did. Mm-hmm. So it was never about being a cash-in for her. So it's no surprise that the performance is as brilliant as mm-hmm. it is because she's just so invested in every element that Ripley has here. You know, clearly suffering from PTSD. 
So you totally buy into that decision to go back. That's her way of confronting that. She has the brains that no one else has. Take a control when Gorman freezes in action. Do something! Getting Hudson to shut <laughs> up when he starts freaking out, which is really funny. Hudson, just deal with it because we need you and I'm sick of your bullshit. Reminding Hicks that he's in charge. Hicks is next in train of command. My right, Corporal. Which even he yeah. kind of forgets yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing performance. And, you know, there's one nice little bit of uh, trivia, though. That photo we see at the beginning of Amy, Ripley's daughter, is an old lady who, who passed away. That's actually a picture of Elizabeth Inglis, who's Weaver's real-life mother. Oh, mum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. That's, yeah, lovely that, touch, it is a lovely yeah. touch. The cameras are going backwards, though, haven't they? The picture is pixelated as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Blade Runner, just enhanced 34 yeah. Let's have a look. <laughs> Well, I praised the writing of Ripley before, and it is brilliant, but it's matched every step of the way by Weaver's performance. Like you said, Matt, she was reluctant to return at first, but that changed when she read James Cameron's script. She was blown away by the quality of Cameron's writing. She loved the mother-daughter bond between Ripley and Newt, and that's why she agreed to do the film, essentially. Mm. I think her performance is ahead of the dialogue. Like, when you watch it, she's almost ahead of what she's saying. Yeah. You can kiss, kiss all this goodbye. goodbye. It's just Brilliant. like, I love that yeah. bit. It's just fucking yeah. great. There were some problems, though, with how the studio were willing to pay Weaver to come back. Alien and then Ghostbusters had made a, a, a huge star. She was paid 35 grand for Alien, but wanted 1 million for Aliens. Right. And Cameron being the legend that he is, he just kind of, the studio refused, but he kind of backed her up. Firstly, he mm. just said, we can't do this without her. And secondly, he made it public knowledge that she was the only person in consideration for the lead. So it gave out <laughs> very, very strong negotiations. I mean, that's absolutely mm. legendary. Anyone you want behind you in any situation whatsoever. Oh, yeah. James Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Taking on everybody, Cameron. The crew, the studio, <laughs> yeah, the tea lady. No one's safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's safe. Well, yeah. for my cast member, I'm going to talk about maybe the second biggest character and almost love interest to Ripley. That's Schwarzenegger. <laughs> In the alternate universe, aliens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Michael Bean as Corporal Dwayne Hicks. Yeah, he's fantastic. So Cameron and yeah. Bean obviously worked together before when Bean played Reese on The Terminator. And as a character, I don't think Reese and Hicks are too dissimilar. They're both reluctant no. heroes, no. brave, uncomplicated, mm. decent. And I mean, he's not the greatest actor in the world, Michael Bean, but this doesn't really need that. It's an action film, and he's great in the action moments. I yeah. love the sequence when Ripley rescues the Marines from the alien nest as Hicks gets back on the APC, an alien sticks its fingers and then its head in the door. Hicks puts his gun in the alien's mouth and goes, Take that! So not a great acting performance, maybe, but I think it's a fantastic action movie performance from Michael Bean. Yeah, it's a, it's a great action movie performance. Now he tells him to shoot the window oh, yeah. You fucking believe Superb. Come on. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, lo I love being, but he wasn't originally cast as Hicks. Originally, it was going to be James Remar, mm -hmm. who he's probably more famous for two Walter Hill films. He's in 48 Hours and The Warriors. But he did get fired, obviously. <laughs> who didn't get fired on this? A couple of days yeah. in the shooting. And for years, the line was, you know, it's that cliche artistic differences with Cameron. But Remar since admitted that he had a drug problem at the time and he was caught on set with a bag of cocaine. And that's why he got the boot. Wow. Well, James Remar is in the finished film. He's seen for one shot. Do you know where it is? It's been in the alien nest. It is. It's just the back of him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's right. Him, yeah. When the Marines enter the yeah. alien nest, we see him from behind, so you can't tell it's him. 
So Cameron had just worked with Michael Bean, like we said, on the Terminator. So called him up and he flew in straight away. Bean said he was hard coming into the production already underway and tells a story about his first day on set. He'd shot his first scene. He did a few takes and Cameron came over in front of all of the cast and went, Michael, all that stuff that you just did there, all of that stuff. That's exactly what I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was it. where's Cameron get his <laughs> reputation from? I don't what get did it. he do? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Uh... <laughs> Shoot it out, I guess. <laughs> really campics. <laughs> Really can't think. That's the only thing I can think of. He's such a masculine character. Like that's the only thing he doesn't want. What, what, what's the only way to be sure? So, Westy, who are you going to talk about yeah. in the cast? I'm going to talk about Lance Henriksen as Bishop, who I think is one of the most beautifully underplayed performances mm. in an action film ever. He's just so believable in this role, and he's just really, really endearing in this. And at the same time, he, he has that underlying layer of the first android from the first alien where you kind of go right okay he does a similar type of, when he comes in he's like bishop hello and he's like do you want anything he's like no it's it's like what's happening yeah and for me every single time no matter how emotional i get about this film when the airlock opens and she newt is sliding towards it mm. and she's like bishop yeah and he kind of clambers back to grab her yeah. and then gets her and then the music builds yeah every single time and he's like, Amazing. not bad for a human. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of coughing everything up. And it took me a long time, because I saw this when I was eight years old, it took us a long time to realise that Lance Henderson isn't actually an android in real life. <laughs> 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 Every film I saw him, and I was like, oh, well, you just shoot him, he's going to, you know, quicken the dead. That's just going to be white blood. That'll be fine. And Henriksen had an idea for the character where he wanted to wear double pupil contact lenses. Oh, he's yeah. looking into the microscope <laughs> to make him even more freaky and kind of <laughs> throw the audience off the scent. And then Cameron came up and said, Lance, you'd be scarier than the aliens. You're creepy <laughs> enough already, which is true. <laughs> Imagine him if he just looked up. Massive eye, but no. Yeah. And then straight back down. <laughs> Don't need that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard Lance Henriksen tell a story about Derek Cracknell too, the AD who Cameron fired. Apparently yeah. one time on the set, Cracknell put his hand on Henriksen's chest and Henriksen said to him, You ever touch me again, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> believe you. I totally believe him. Oh, 100% believe him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that knife trick is amazing. So memorable, mm. but yeah. they did it by Henriksen doing it at slow speed and then they sped it up in production. And you you can't tell because if you look at A-Point, it's next to Hudson. He's laughing in super quick time. His head's going back, back and forth. Yeah, he's like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, that knife trick scene, it wasn't in the original script. Cameron had the idea on set. I'm fairly sure that he took it from Darkstar by John Carpenter because it's on oh, that as yeah. well. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. But he dis- Shit, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, but he yeah. discussed it on the set with everybody except for Bill Paxton. So Paxton didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> and he's improvising when Drake holds Hudson's hand out. <laughs> yeah, you can tell with these boys. Bitch, yeah. yeah. Quit screwing around, man. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't funny. <laughs> It was funny, man. It was really funny. It was really funny. It wasn't funny, man. And like I mentioned, there is a larger cast in Aliens. Al Matthews is Eightbourne, Paul Reiser is Burke, Carrie Henn is Newt, Bill Paxton is Hudson, and Jeanette Goldstein is Vasquez are all very memorable. But in the three we mentioned, fantastic, especially, I think, Sigourney Weaver. All of them for the emotional hits. Yeah, Yeah, perfect.
being the action masterclass that it is, Aliens is more or less highlight after highlight. We've reined it in, though, to talk about one each. Mm. So, Westy, which are you going for? I'm going for where we first encounter the aliens in the nest. Oof. We think it's all sorted. We've seen the firepower that's available. We've seen the bravado that's delivered from the group. And we are fairly confident. <laughs> and not to forget that we are an hour and ten minutes into the film here. Yeah. And that's yeah. the first yeah. time you see an alien. You see a facehugger, which you've seen before, mm-hmm. and the lighting on this the pace and then the screens when you go back to the the APC and you're just seeing everybody and then it just happens guns firing people set on fire grenades going off airplanes gone Gorman doesn't know what to do and you've got to have Ripley take control of this of this APC and drive it through a wall over <laughs> other aliens. For any other film, this sequence would be the ending. Yeah, yeah. It is that is that good. This is the start yeah. of what's happening. And you just think, Jesus Christ, where is this going? Half of them are dead. And it is just such a beautifully realised action moment where it's just all hell breaks loose. You really care about the characters who have died and you, you feel it when they go. You feel it when Drake mm. goes, even though he's really horrible and nasty and ugly and you kind of when Vasquez is reacting to that it's like but he is he's like yeah, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to be mates with him he's on a night out he's going to fucking glass somebody isn't he he's been glassed 19 times himself he's not trustworthy but I'd love to I'm going to give him one of them <laughs> give him one and hmm. it's just yeah it's fantastically realised fantastically visualised beautifully directed and the editing as well on this sequence is second oh, long unbelievable six yeah. suits yeah Looks yeah. like a thousand of them. It's incredible. Yeah, the sequence is so great. I mean, what we see on the screen, what we're going through with the Marines is total carnage. But Cameron and his filmmaking team are in total control of every frame. We don't actually see anything at all. How does it work so well? I don't know how it yeah, works no so idea. well. They want us to say exactly what they want us to see. Yeah. It's genius. Thing is, as well, this was the most dangerous part of the film to shoot, and there were a couple of big safety issues. So Drake and his flamethrower that sets part of the APC on fire when he gets yeah. grabbed. thing is, that sucked all the air out of the set and the actors just couldn't breathe. Well, yeah, I know the camera had to have the roof taken off the set so it would ventilate. I mean, surprised he even bothered, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> just shoot that scene last and then they can die and yeah. it's fine. Uh, and then, you know, that amazing shot where you get the APC coming towards the camera. Well, Gail and Heard had said to Cameron at the last minute, well, let's operate the cameras remotely just to be on the safe side. So said to the cameraman, right, you guys step away, get out of the out of the set. We'll, we'll try this remotely. And the brakes on the APC failed, wiping out the cameras completely. Yeah. Yeah, apparently afterwards, a crew member who heard what happened came in and said, is everything all right? And Cameron was just like, yeah, it looks fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> but you would have died if you'd actually done it. Yeah. <laughs> He would have still said the same thing. Is everything all right? Yeah, three dead, but it looks fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) So for my highlight, I'm going for the scene in the med lab, which is Ripley versus the facehugger. So when Ripley threatens to expose Burke for trying to sneak an alien back to Earth, he locks Ripley and Newt in the med lab and releases the facehuggers. But it's Cameron again for me. This is a different kind of action scene. It's not huge and spectacular mm. with thousands of bullets. It's more tense and more intimate. I think the visuals are fantastic. The red lighting from the alarm and the water from the sprinklers gives it a different look to the rest of the film. And Cameron develops the world here as well. In Alien, the facehugger is a means to an end. 
It's just how the adult alien gets on board the ship. But here, Cameron gives mm. the facehuggers their moment as well, and they are terrifying in their own right. The shots of the facehuggers scurrying across the floor and jumping at Ripley. Oh. Brilliant. It's just yeah. superb action, yet again. Fantastic practical effects, yet again. And I think more masterful mm. stuff from Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic turn from Hudson as well when he's like, Jesus Christ, kid, look out. Yeah. He pins yeah. it against him with oh, his foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's... It's like he's, sort he's, of his redemption, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I mean, to create the facehuggers, Stan Winston and his team created functional facehuggers, which I can't imagine anything worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> just crawling around the sitting room floor. Can you, can you even imagine? Um, but yeah, I mean, they could move the fingers and the one that runs towards Ripley had a wheel on the bottom of it and when it was rolled along the floor, it had legs would move to look like it was running. And that, mm. I mean, that looks real. That's awful. Yeah, to achieve it's that... Awful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. To achieve that moment where the facehugger runs along the floor, jumps under the table, then attacks Ripley, that had three separate shots. So they filmed it running along the floor, then they filmed pulling it off the table and played that in reverse, and then they put it on the table and pulled it towards the camera. And again, it was Cameron told him how to do that. I mean, that's yeah. just outstanding practical effects work. I buy that facehugger yeah. as a real thing, 100%. Oh, 100%. Totally. 100%. And then you put that sound design on top of it with the water and the slippy kind of sounds where it's just screaming yeah. about. Mm. Uh, horrible. Yeah. It's brilliant, though. It is fantastic. <laughs> so, Matt, what's your highlight? Mm. Are you going to top that? Do you know what? I think I am, because it's going to be the showdown with the Queen at the end. There so. we are. Job done. Easy. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Next game. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> no, the thing is, right, there's a big difference between UK and American audiences where Americans shout out and the applaud you in films, which we don't really do here, and we think it's been annoying, a bit weird. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> I would give anything to watch this on the big screen with an American audience, though, <laughs> because can you imagine the reaction when Ripley comes striding out in the power line? Oh, there? massive. Get away from her, you bitch! absolutely massive but the writing is great because you don't think for one second that's what she's going to do because when that power lord is early introduced you think it's just for that gag where you want it so yeah, when yeah. she comes on that's like the last round of rocky it's all just going to kick off and yeah. apparently weaver kept herself offset until the queen was completely rigged up and ready to go because she wanted to see as little of the rods in the operators as possible she didn't want to know how it worked so her reaction would be as real as possible which i think really works to the scene what always stands out to me though it's the lack of soundtrack makes it all the more visceral and it just fascinates me that Cameron chose to do that for this scene because once you watch you think well I can't imagine a soundtrack improving this any yeah. yeah but there's two things that always make me grin like first of all it's the fact that Ripley has the strongest elbow joint in the universe to hang on in there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah with an alien queen hanging off her foot yeah. and the second bit is is when she's finally like hauled herself back up there's this massive crate that gets sucked out and comes this close to yeah. smacking her right in yeah. the face yeah. and it just makes me laugh like after everything she's gone through she could have got killed by that and I'm oh, sure I that's imagine. delivered by <laughs> yeah. Cameron just throwing that in right at the last minute. Love yeah. it. It's brilliant. I think the lack of score as well. It's like yeah. you've had this whole sequence where the whole thing's been nuked and you've yeah. had James Horner, a real climax of the score. Yeah, yeah. The score is incredible. Yeah, like for that five, five, ten, like five yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, 
he's recutted and he's running James. He said, I've got nothing left. You've got, I'm sorry. <laughs> crazy, like crazy, like crazy. Well, we've already talked about some of the great effects in the film that Stan Winston was responsible for in The Alien Warriors and The Facehuggers. I think the jewel in Winston's crown, though, has to be the Alien Queen. Yeah. I know that there was initially talk of bringing H.R. Giger back to do more design work. He designed the alien for the first film. Yeah. But Cameron decided against it because there was only one major design to be done, the alien queen, and Cameron designed that himself. Right. Unbelievable talent, <laughs> Cameron. I'll just draw it for you. Yeah. yeah. There you are. And he just likely just fell out with Giger anyway. So <laughs> yeah, what was probably. the point? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we killed him dead. <laughs> and then Cameron passed those designs on to Winston and Winston and his team built a basic mechanism as a proof of concept first of all and then from there they built the whole queen or 14 feet of her it took 14 to 16 operators to work her so you want to know what those 14 to 16 operators did go on then I'd love to so she was supported on a crane arm first of all that would move the entire puppet her body neck and head were hydraulically controlled her legs were operated by puppeteers and her face, lips, jaw, and tongue were all controlled by cables. And this was all going on at the same so time. So individual person for like a jaw, tongue, lips. Wow, exactly, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the most impressive things is that all the sequences shot with the Alien Queen were filmed in camera with no post-production work at all. So what we see on the film is basically what Sigourney Weaver saw in front of her. Yeah. I mean... What can you say? It's just incredible stuff. Okay. There were some scale models as well of the power loader and the queen, mm. but most of it was filmed in camera with the two of them. Just fantastic. Oh. Yeah. I mean, imagine his sketches, his original sketches, and that's what Jack's got in his book when Rose looks on Titanic. Jack, this is exquisite work. Ah, uh, they didn't think too much of him in old Perry. <laughs> Where have you been? I'll be 426. What do you think about that? Fuck <laughs> oh, It's all right. But then being Sigourney Weaver, when you haven't seen the whole thing, you come out like, get away from her, you bitch. Jesus Christ. I'm done. But that would have been great. That sketchbook would have been amazing. And the other thing about this scene, when Bishop gets ripped in half, and it's beautifully timed, because this is the one where... Ripley's finally learned to trust him. You think, oh, that's mm. all good. And then he's out there, which is a kid that devastated me. I thought he was a yeah. strong. Oh, yeah. yeah. But but to do that, they made a concoction of milk and yogurt, which is what sprays out of his mouth, which just looks mm. mean. And then they built a full <laughs> model replica of Henriksen, and that came in two parts. So they hung that up in the ceiling, and when they twisted it, it would use uh, wires to yank the two parts in different directions, mm-hmm. which is how he gets ripped yeah. apart. And then, again, just more milk and yogurt all over the place. Really that stank. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <awful>. really stank. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't refrigerate the milk and yogurt, apparently, and it made Lance Henriksen sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he definitely kicked someone's ass for that. If you ever touch me again, I'm going to kick your ass. I mean, the power loader, when that happens, Amazing. and you see that door open, you just go, ah. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, the practical effects supervisor was called John Richardson. He won an Oscar for the film, which deservedly so. Mm-hmm. And he said the biggest challenge was creating the power loader, which was, again, designed by Cameron. I mean, what a brain <laughs> at 31 year old. Yeah. I was asleep at 31 for ages. <laughs> it just, and there's a stuntman inside it behind Sigourney Weaver that controls the movements. So Weaver just had to react to his movements. And it was then attached to cranes, which would take all the weight of the load. I mean, and the stuntman could move all of it and still control it. And she just kind of reacted to what was going on. It's yeah. just outrageous. Yeah, the sound design on it as well as it walks. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Great. That was quite good. <laughs> it was. Okay. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we should mention as well, I think, that final shot of the alien queen when she just sucked out the airlock, mm, yeah. spiraling it towards the camera in space. Yeah. What a shot that is. Yeah, I know. It should just be really funny, but it isn't. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. Massive moments wall-to-wall in Aliens, and in those three sequences, three brilliant examples of action filmmaking. Oh, yeah. And the rest. Yeah. Mm. Matt, you're up first, please. Your summary and score for Aliens. Yeah. I always get like a bit, like slightly suspicious of people when they say like the films they grew up with are also the best films because they think, well, yeah, that's nostalgia speaking, you know, because yeah. you grew up with them that you think that. And I'm as guilty of that as anyone, you know. It's it's just what you do. So for this, I do try to view films as subjectively as possible. But with Aliens, it's not nostalgia. It just really is that good. Yeah, it could fine. be. Yeah. It is. It's fine. <laughs> it could be released today, and you would think, well, yeah, that was made two months ago. Yeah, it's yeah. just written with such attention to detail and character, with genuine emotional stakes in there that it's not just a visceral experience, and that's why I think it stands up as well today as it did back then. It's a very, very, very easy ten. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I said at the start that I loved the aliens when I saw it as a kid and was blown away. And now see it in a slightly different light. And what I mean is, it still blows me away, but I also now recognise the brilliance of the filmmaking more. The writing is superb. Mm. Cameron develops the world, and in Ripley we have the best written action movie protagonist ever, for me. Yeah. In directing the film, he strikes a perfect grounded tone, which gives what we see a lot of credibility. And working with the likes of Sid Mead, Peter Lamont and Stan Winston, with a limited budget, the work they all produced is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And when you know of all the production issues as well that Cameron had to deal with on the set, I don't know how he's pulled it off, to be honest. Cameron's best film, the greatest action movie ever made, and also still my favourite ever film. Oh. It is, of course, 10 out of 10. Lovely. And Westy, yeah. what about yourself? Summary and score. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them films that when I put it on, I feel so comfortable. I feel mm-hmm. so happy, and it's one of the reasons I got into cinema to the level that I did. I wanted to understand how it was made. Why do I feel like this? <laughs> Why is this so good? Um, I don't know anyone who doesn't like it because I would disown them immediately as soon as they, I'm not a big fan of Alien. Fine, um, gone. Everyone in me, in me immediate friend circle and family loves it because rightly so. It's a masterpiece. It's up there and it will live forever. And it is timeless in its delivery. It's timeless in its writing. And in 1986, to have a, f- a female protagonist have this much power and this much leverage and mm. this much attention to detail and not make it hammy or cheesy and make it completely believable, yeah. I think that's this is a film that I'll show to my daughter and go, you know what, this is empowerment. This is what it means. And it's not about motherhood necessarily. It's about caring for human beings. It's mm. about caring for each other. And it's done with such conviction. It's done with such heart. It's done with such clarity of vision. Of course, it's a fucking tent. Jesus Christ. What am I, what am I even going on about it for? <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, that leaves Aliens with a whopping 30 out of 30. Fucking yes, man. Yes. Fucking A. Fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> and we've reached the end of another episode. If you liked it and would like to support what we do, please do that by becoming an All The Right Movies patron. 
Becoming an ATRM patron will get you access to benefits such as bonus episodes of The Cutting Room and also access to our archive of podcasts over 200 hours worth in total. Mm. The podcasts are also available on our website. All the classics are in there, so please head over there now and have a look. Yeah, Seven, 79 pence each. Well, that's yes. a steal. That's yes. a steal. It's nearly <laughs> Christmas. Treat yourselves, folks. <laughs> get all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I do. Mainly, though, becoming a patron will enable us to carry on making videos and make more of them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all for now, though. So thanks for watching. Please check out more videos and stay frosty. Yes, <laughs> yes please definitely do, guys. do that. Take care yeah. out there. <laughs> Another good one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Should yeah. Yeah. So what you guys got planned tonight? Pizza for me. How about you, boys? Oh, nice. Oh, lovely. I'm going to whack some pasta on. I'm just going to double your pasta on. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Let's get a pizza. Mine is three metres away. Got it. Not two metres away. Two metres? You're not reading it right. Not two metres away. No, one metre. 0.5. Can't be. That's inside the room. 0.5 metres is not inside. 0.2. Rub it. Ah, there it is. So good. Great.